Shut up, I love it. On the first, on the second day of White Christmas, my true love gave to me two great movies. Shut up, I love it. I'm Joe Cabello. And I'm Sasha Filer, and this is the second episode of Shut Up, I Love It, that is specifically White Elephant Edition. What does that mean, Joe? Uh, White Elephant, as people know, is a series we've done already once. Do they know? (laughs) Well, maybe this is the second episode of White Elephant. We are each... Uh, having a, we're having a <laughs> shit. This went better the first time. We have a special guest that we have brought on. One of our faves. One of our faves, and we each have decided to gift each other a movie to watch, like we would in a white elephant gift exchange. And then we talk about it each episode in a series of three episodes. This is our second one. Go check out the first one where we talked about funny pages, which Sasha graciously gifted to me, but truly to herself. It seems as such, one of those selfish gifts. Uh, But let's bring our guest out right now, second in the series of White Elephant, Adam Protexter, the greatest. Happy New Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's his New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. Very confusing for us uh, since it's not. I don't want to have to, you know, throw the veil away. The veil of. Seeing behind the curtain. Yeah, behind the curtain whatever those terms but uh the best rapper in the world best host best podcaster adam protector what up what up what up uh hi it's good to be here again still um yes luxaturna right oh no did i spoil that you're just getting right into it (laughs) i'm happy i'm excited this is this is the thing we're we're recording a lot of episodes in one day again the curtain is gone so i'm just gonna let people in so we're naked my pants are off are yeah right and my shirt is off, but I have um, <laughs> testicles on my nipples, on each nipple, so it looks the same. <laughs> it's similar as if my pants were off as far as ludidity. Lutid- is that a word? Do I need... It is lud- now. Lud- yes. Ludus. Do I need to re- rewind myself and say, hey, it's good to be here. I don't know what movie are we going to talk about today. That helps. Yes, so <laughs> you have decided to gift Sasha a movie. Can yes. you reveal what that is? Yeah, let me reveal that. Uh, I, it is Lux Eterna, Gaspar Noah's 2019 movie, Lux Eterna. So God this bless. is two actresses, Beatrice Dalle and Charlotte Gainsbourg, are in a film set telling stories about witches, but that's not all. Lux Eterna is also an essay on cinema, the love of film, and on-set hysterics. Yes. So I'm curious why you chose this. Or actually, I'll let you ask this, Sasha, since you're the... You're the. I like how you. Well, you did come up with this white elephant series. So, (laughs) I love you in the pilot seat. Yeah, Adam, tell me why do you think? Why do you want? Why are you here giving me this gift? Okay, so when I I had a bit of an advantage here because I knew what you guys were getting each other, and I noticed they were both Mm. new movies uh, from like 2000, uh, 2020, 2022, and so my first instinct was. You know what I want to do is pick a hundred-year-old movie because they're Ooh. picking new ones, and I wanted to give you *Passion of Joan of Arc*, which is a 1928, and I, in my opinion, the best movie of them all. Wow! And then I—that's—that's I, that's always my pick. Is um, if you want to, you know, understand cinema, watch *Passion of Joan of Arc*. But um, I feel as though *Lux Eterna* is like a loose hundred-year-later remake, 
and it's also half the runtime. And I thought I want to give something that I think would be fun and novel for Sash to watch, but also something a little challenging that's maybe a little bit um, and not a slam dunk. So my pick for you was like, here's something I think is interesting that relates to film history in a way that I find interesting, but is experimental enough that you might hate it, but I think you'll like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my so it was, thinking. It was kind of like, um, like uh, I, I don't know at all. Like, I don't know which, it could go either way. Like right. that kind of gift. Yeah, exactly. which, which is in general my taste is pretty unpredictable i feel like oh yeah like, and even I was, joe gets shocked i was things that i like i was though. excited yeah. when you because uh, i've never seen it before um but just immediately looking it up i was excited that you'd gifted her this for those reasons i'm like oh we don't know where this will go and it's 51 minutes is barely a movie i think uh by definition it's not a movie <laughs> perhaps right 60 minutes <laughs> is the the right. shortest right by festival rules it's a but, short yeah but um but um so joan of arc was your second choice though when you f suggested right and then yes. i um i went because i have seen joan of, joan of arc 1928 movie it's way ahead of its time french film definitely a big part of history it's not fresh in my memory but i had seen it many years ago um and so i was like does adam just like women burning on the crosses <laughs> well, so he's the like whichever one i was like why is the like the witch or whatever the <laughs> third movie is not on it on the list. i i wanted to do two movies that were both about that because lux eterna and i don't want to get into the meat of it too fast here but i feel like so much of Lex Eterna is about how the history of film has rotated around the martification of women mm. and how Passion of Joan of I just thought it was a bookend. It was kind of me going back a hundred years and then forward yeah. again. Now and I being like, what is, what is cinema if not flickering, burning lights and people in distress? So oh. I'm gonna give you that. Uh, just on a, like, uh, distilling it. Because I feel like Lex, to your point, does Adam just like movies where women are burning at the stake? It's it's not that it's that I think it's a really honest visual metaphor for the exploitation of how this art is made, mm. uh, which I think Lux Eterna does a good job of being right. honest about. And just to do a sidebar that may or may not pay off in this episode and the final episode of the series that's about to come up, let's just fucking get aggressive about how much we like or don't like something. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not sugarcoating. Well, and, and before we even get into that, I just want to bring up, it's Gaspar Noé as the writer-director. I am I am familiar with him, but haven't really dived into his filmography. Um, I'm assuming, Adam, you're pretty familiar with him. But how about you, Sasha? Has Gaspar Noé oh. been on your radar? Yeah, yeah. Gaspar Noé uh, is a famous in my in my little world in my little tiny world that i live in of me being watching enter the void and being so upset with it and saying i fucking hate this director <laughs> and uh sitting through the entire movie not telling jay that i hate it because it was early in our relationship and then bitching for the next 10 years of how much plus <laughs> that i hate this director and jay eventually getting on the same page with me so this is like my history with Gaspar Noah's Amazing. Enter the Void. Even though um, Enter the Void is like a full feature movie, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of flashing lights in that movie too. Like, I haven't seen that. Just pull this There's a lot of flashing lights. There's, Enter there's the, the Void is the one I haven't seen by him. Yeah, okay, great. So yeah, no, I feel like that's the only film that I'd seen because there's Vortex that I hadn't seen, but uh, it sounds super depressing. But it's not a negative for me. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it sounds like you, Joe, this is your first one. It's your, you, Cherry was 
I believe so. Yeah, it was one of those ones, like, I think ever since um, Enter the Void came out that, you know, you listen to film podcasts and stuff and they talk about it. And then mm-hmm. I just never ended up watching any of his stuff. So this is nice to finally be able to watch something of his. And yeah. who knows? We'll see. Maybe it pushes me to watch more. Maybe it doesn't. We'll I'm not. I'm going to play coy. Well, see, I my relationship with Gaspar Noah goes back to being a little like sixteen year old in Iowa with my film friends trying to figure out what's the scariest movie, you know. And then you, at some point, I feel like every teenage boy who likes movies has a few months where they look up the most fucked mm, up things. Sure. And uh, Irreversible is on all those oh. lists, which is a very difficult to watch movie, but weirdly a movie with um I think a moral point, despite the fact that it's very exploitative. Um, but I watched that in high school and that I was like, oh, this is actually artier than I thought. And that got me into I Stand Alone. And, um, so I feel like Lux Eterna is him more sophisticated and less Mm. shocking in your face. Um, which is another reason why I wanted to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I go back with this director, but I used to be more judgmental of him and I think he's grown up a lot. So I haven't seen Mm. Enter the Void, which is a big, uh, blind spot for me. Yeah, I, interesting. I I forgot completely about Irreversible. Irreversible, of course, was on my radar because it was one of the most fucked up films. And it's like in reverse order. And that was like when all oh, he's playing with the form. And there's like a rape scene. And I think the Italian actress, right, like is like playing, what's her name? Um, Monica Bellucci. Monica Bellucci. Like yeah. super in her prime at the time, like getting raped in this movie and so real. Um, definitely like like that for a very fucked up movie. That was probably my favorite movie of his for sure for Right. Or like out of the fucked up movies that are out there for a while yeah. in general. Um, well, so you, what's the next thing, Joe? You're you, the one who you just opened up the wrapping paper. I opened, up. I opened it up. How do you feel? How do I feel without getting into the ratings? Which math, you know, scale doesn't lie, and math is where it's at. Like but be brutal before yeah, then. Be brutal. I, I did not like this. <laughs> At all. Yes. <laughs> At all. So so we yeah, went from episode one <laughs> of me. the White Elephant was, I appreciate it, didn't like it. That now we've gotten into, I didn't like this at all. We, we, I said, like, I'm welcoming. I want this White Elephant to be as contentious, if, if applicable, right? Not on purpose. Like, yeah, yeah. Force honest. It, but, like, whichever way, honest. So, Gaspar Noah, I, you know, again, I respected Irreversible. In my young, fucked up mind, it was a great movie. I rewatched it multiple times. Didn't even find it as fucked up as many people did for some reason. Like, to me, you know, fucked up was like hostile or like, you know, um, the human centipede. Like, <laughs> that's like my redefinition of fucked up, which I still like those movies. Um, but, I, so to me, this movie is the opposite of the previous White Elephant, which is the. Uh, <laughs> funny pages because this movie is a lot about how it looks right the style uh i mean which is gaspar noah is like you i mean flashing lights like he's first of all he's on purpose like doing the fucking thing where he's like i want people if they didn't know they have seizures i want them to have a seizure in this film like i I warned you in my email you did (laughs) and i was like flashing lights i've seen enter the void there's flashlight there's like completely impossible for me to watch the third act. I had to like shield my eyes because I was oh, like, right. this, yeah. this is a lot. I, and I, was, I recently went through a thing where I had to examine my brain to make sure I don't have a brain tumor. So I had to get first in the, in the, <laughs> in the ER, I had to get a brain scan to make sure I don't have a, a tumor. And then I had to get an MRI of the brain. It was very enlightening 
I'm great. I'm doing a, a wonderful. Great brain. But it was great. Great brain. Like I almost wanted them to say, the brain is fine and also it's so good. Like, what do you do? You know, that's what Jay thinks. I go to doctors always for them to be like, and you're amazing. Like, which they, by the way, the side note, the heart, they examined my heart and they were like. Your heart rate is like an Olympic athlete, they told me at the ER. I was like, thank you. Um, very proud of it. Congrats. But no, so, so it, thank you. So it came to me in the wrong time too, I think this film, where I'm like obsessed with my brain, what's happening. I'm like living in the world of, you know, hormonal changes postpartum, where like my vision is suffering weird, like, you know, <laughs> visions. And so... I was like, this fucker, Gaspar Noah, it's not you, Adam, Gaspar Noah. So I attacked you with this choice. Yeah, I was like, he's Personal trying attack. to cause a seizure. And then I start thinking like, he's really, you know. But let's just go back to the interview part, which is a very big part of the, sh of the show, of the movie where uh, Charlotte Ginsburg talks to the other lady who is probably very famous, but I don't know her. Yeah, they're both, gap in both her um, Charlotte's great. Yeah, they're both uh, prominent actresses and yeah. entertainers. Um, it was very interesting to me because I found the other lady, Beatrice, do not know, Dale, Dale, um, completely like unlikable. Like I was just like, dude, like if you spend five minutes around her, like your head is going to spin. She won't shut up. She knows <laughs> it's about her. She's one of those people, again, like characters in New York or something like, like just people who are like, are you a crazy lady? Or are you like a famous, like, like, who are you? Just won't shut up telling stories of her past. Nobody's invited them. Uh, Charlotte Ginsburg is like downing wine. Like she's really like, I was like, wow, she like fucking knows how to drink wine. This lady is yapping nonstop about things I don't want to know about, you know, don't want to judge her but the plastic surgery is off the charts like whatever older lady that's crazy i'm like just put her dress her in all pink put her on hallowed boulevard and people are gonna be like she's one of the people who lives here um and like i don't know like talks to strangers so i did not love her but it, so i did not like in the same way how i loved uh characters in funny pages go back listen to this episode last week i did not like her character like, I was like, I don't care that you're so interesting. Like, I don't find it interesting about you. Charlotte Ginsburg, I have a lot of love and respect for. So, um, you know, I just like all the movies that I've seen with her, I'm a big fan. So then I have two things stacked against me. Uh, you know, Noah, Gaspar, and the uh, lady. Uh, but then Ginsburg is, and so I'm watching, and then like, I start seeing a bunch of French people running around and trying to shoot a movie, and they're like falling apart. And I was like, that's like, oh my God, I don't want to watch a film about like French people <laughs> getting overwhelmed with their production, and, like running around and going crazy. And so here's the thing. I know there's like probably a bunch of really important messages in this film. They all went by like past me. So I'm here, Adam, to, I beg you to interpret this film because I know you have a great vision of it. Like I know you have a great interpretation of it. And I know you have an awesome like system that you came up because you always do like you fucking take you have a talent to take any film and see like the big picture that i could never do i was so lost in the trees that i did not enjoy the forest was completely gone i was like when is this fucking blinking shit gonna be over <laughs> and, and it was only 51 minutes luckily yeah. 51 minutes but there's a longer cut that's out there and i'm like of course he shot it in five days they're like oh he shot it only five days yes he of course he only shot in five days i can see it well yeah like Dude. one of one shot was probably done one day like over a good 30 <laughs> minutes of the movie is <laughs> a one yeah. day -er. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that uh, this this I'm so happy this was my pick because this is like a reaction that is so juicy. Um, I love that uh, the older pretentious uh, actress uh, annoyed you. I I don't think she's. I think that's okay that she's annoying. I think she's a little. She is a little annoying. Um, but there's so much about. Okay, so like for me, this movie is like this cooking pot of all of these. Um, I remember writing a little review when it came out, and I might have to Ooh, cheat and read read what please. I wrote. Oh yeah, I mean, you might might just well. read it. God, might as well. Use Did you write what it? Was there? Yeah. Letterboxd or? Yeah, it's gonna sound. It's probably gonna sound just as pretentious and. Um, Technique as the movie itself, uh, because you know I feel like I reviewed it in a really uh, weird what, way. Yeah, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll read it. I'll read it. Read it. Uh, but before I read it, I just want to say the ending there, mm. that 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 final trance. You mentioned covering your eyes. I was tempted to do that because I was afraid. What if I have a seizure because of this shit? Mm. Yeah. Um, but I decided to risk it and stare oh. at that shit unblinkingly the whole time. And I got to say, I, it put me in a trance. And that's part of why I love the movie. Same. Because, yeah, uh, I felt this, like, this being consumed by flames and this being, like, burned alive by the cinema in the way that the cinema burns, you know, like Passion of Joan of Arc, burns a woman for our emotional we can put our emotions on that image and we are also immolated but this mm -hmm. movie turns it back and is like as you watch her suffer and as you watch the fiction of what you're seeing of charlotte gainsburg burn becomes uh ambiguous is she really in trouble has everyone on set uh ignored ignored her or is this the movie uh and then it starts happening to you and then the movie ends i felt like uh I had to like take a walk afterwards to like clear my mind because I felt like I'd been hypnotized, and I liked that. Um, it made me really wish I could see it in theaters, even though I knew that would be a brutal experience. Yeah, it kind of felt so necessary for what it's doing because like watching it at home, it's kind of like a natural notch down from mm -hmm. what the intended feeling yeah. would be. That I was like, oh please, especially the credits, which kind of continue that motif of the flashing lights. You're like, man, oh, I kind of want to ba be bathed in this if I'm meant to be bathed in this. Bathed in it, really yes, I love that. <laughs> okay, I'll read my, uh, here it is, and it's gonna be pretentious, okay? Good. Uh, <laughs> no, no worries there. Okay, maybe it's not pretentious, because I feel like pretentious, maybe it could be, it could not be, depends on if I know what I'm talking about. Um, but I don't know if I do. A face melting, overlapping, first of all, I gave it five motherfucking stars out of five. A face we already know what the fucking scale is going to look like for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, a face-melting, overlapping montage of set chaos, Christian trauma, and film theory, as well as a tribute to artists as witches that observes the exploitation of women as historical through-line while also keeping a reverent heart to its medium slash this particular mode of God's fury. There's a love for Bazan and Dreyer's holy cinema here, and to Godard as a punk foil, but the flame-licked inversion of Christian themes feels more like William Blake with a camera than anything else. But it's also Noah Ooh. distilled, signed with violent light. That's my review. I think it's great. But I think your it's like is great. religious I, fervor. I, I'm going to rate it against your review. I'm I love that. Warning. Yeah. Give that mm -hmm. 10 jugheads. But <laughs> Call back. But I also like, you're right, I like, I like to try and see the value of things that maybe feel ephemeral or underappreciated, which your show is a perfect uh, vehicle to talk about. Um, but I'm also kind of, I, I kind of like that you didn't love this. Uh, you know, in, in this podcast, definitely like one or 10 
on the scale is uh, both equally exciting responses compared to a four or five. I would oh, say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But I think my justification for this is kind of all there. It's like, it's the overlapping chaos. It makes you feel like you're on a set. I understand that it's like all the things that you're annoyed by. I'm like, Oh, I get why that's annoying. Um, mm -hmm. And it, yeah, like the, the French crew running around being super self-serious about what they're doing. Uh, there's plenty to criticize. And again, likability, like we're talking about funny pages. Not a whole lot of likable characters other than Gainsbourg here. Mm -hmm. um, but then she's the one who gets sacrificed. And so, I don't know, are you not entertained? <laughs> what happened at the end? I think she I dies do not watch. or she doesn't. Yeah, yeah right, right. Spoilers. Spoilers. What do you think Spoilers. happens at the end, Joe? Spoilers. Um, you know what? I I think at that point we're getting into just it's not about what happened in reality anymore. I don't think that's the truth of it anymore. It's then, like you've kind of alluded to, as she's getting bathed in this light. And we don't know why is no one helping her? Uh, are they not supposed to help her? Is this... Even part of me started to think, okay, is this a trick on her to get the shot which is kind of in keeping with its uh how it's um dissecting filmmaking and kind of the abuses there um but then it gets to a point where like it is literally just happening like there is no reason anymore to me it is just a thing that is happening if that makes sense and we're supposed to then just think about the fact that it happened and it's no longer like a reasoning of why or why not or who's doing it to her or why is no one helping her it's just and this that reading for me comes a lot from uh having close relationships with actors who have suffered abuses on set who have had bad times being in the industry as actors and things of that nature which this definitely there's a lot of little tiny moments where you can see the indignities of being on set whether you're an actor or just like a crew person and to me it's just that like the bright flashing distillation of the those abuses and the dp is a dick yes and yeah. i told jay i was like cinematography is a dick he's like oh yeah like i think it's like then i should watch they that. have he, to be he becomes yeah. the dick oh yeah and he totally just loses it at the end he used he's to work psychotic. with jean-luc yeah yeah the um I, I mean oh shit the i think i lost my train of thought oh the the being bathed in light at the end and it doesn't matter i yeah i think it's i love the reading that it's all the abuses that go into filmmaking are now being put back on the audience for being entertained by the abuse and it's this cycle yeah, that we enter into how the sausage is made all those things yeah. and I think this is one of those I think any movie about filmmaking or that shows uh, behind the scenes is going to be divisive especially for someone who works in the industry in any way because right. I think we have those like I don't want to fucking see this anymore you know, like, I either live this or I watch too much of this. I see it. All those things come up. So whenever I love, I really enjoyed this movie, but I love movies about filmmaking or shows about filmmaking. Anything about that, I love to see. So for me, that really worked. But whenever I watch something about filmmaking, there's always a part of me wondering, I wonder how much someone else is going to hate this because of that. 
even watching a, a movie I uh, referenced last White Christmas episode, Christmas Bloody Christmas, um, it's a lot of the dialogue is people talking about movies. And I'm like, I love this. And I know so many people are going to hate this. It's just one of those naturally polarizing things. So this movie sort of has that against it, I think. There's plenty of people yeah. I wouldn't show this movie to because I know they'd be rolling their eyes instantly. Or having their eyes roll back in their head true. Uh, involuntarily. <laughs> very, very true. But I'm, I mean, I, it's a dangerous movie, it feels like. Like physically dangerous. Oh yeah, you, you see it. Any movie that's going to have the warning implanted in the movie itself, the seizure warning, is dangerous. You know, some yeah. movies they only get that from the theater. You know, like the theater will put up a little like printed paper thing outside mm-hmm. of the door saying, "Hey, this does have flashing lights," but the movie itself doesn't have that because it's like, ah, oh, we know that's not that big of a deal for the movie. It's just more liability for the theater. But this movie's like, no, we know. We (laughs) do know that it is a This could hurt you. Um, You know, Adam, you mentioned William Blake, the poet, right? Yeah. I I will make this kind of sidebar story connection. I, um, I, well, first of all, uh, cinema, unlike, like more than any other art form, has this ability to mimetically affect us. Like, it, the, you know, the mimesis of like, we're watching it and, we're, and we start like, almost like repeating physically uh, what's happening on the screen. Um, in this case, it's directly um, trying to, you know, cause uh, an epileptic seizure in us and go to an emergency room. Uh, in other cases, y- you know, it's just like, we're so on the edge of the seat that we are like physiologically almost living something with this character that we are really, you know, identifying with on the on the on the on the screen. When I was a, a young teenager in Siberia, I wrote a paper on Jim Jarmusch's film. Uh, Look at him coming up second time uh, in our White Elephant series, Dead Man, starring uh, Johnny Depp, and uh, it was one of my favorite films for a long time, and I still think it's a great film. If you remember, he's basically a William Blake character uh, traveling to. Uh, Wild West um, and he dies and um, there's shit like he dies that's why it's called Dead Man so it's not a big spoiler uh, but it, there's like a sort of a lot of mythos going on around him like uh, in a lot of William Blake connections but I think it's like William Blake is like his character basically so um, I this is it was my peak of my love for Jarmusch and then when I moved to New York at 19 I said, I don't want to meet any celebrities. The only celebrity I want to meet is Jim Jarmusch. Mm. And like a week after I moved to New York, I was walking in East Village and I saw Jim Jarmusch walking right in front of me. And I recognized him from his back because he was wearing a black and he had the big, you know, white hair, whatever, gray hair that's completely white. So I got in front of him. I was like, hey, like my name is Sasha. I, um, I'm a big fan. I wrote this paper uh, like in school on Dead Man and uh, on how mimetically you get like, phys- like you start getting physiological reaction to Johnny Depp as the character if you really get into this movie because like as he's dying and almost starting to deteriorate, like I was like writing some very nerdy um, 
but what I felt is real, like like physically, I was being affected by it. And uh, we had this like very short conversation. I got his autograph, but he wrote something nice, and that was like my you know one of the most exciting you know things that happened to me on the streets in New York. Two years later, um, or whatever, I can't remember when it was, but like Broken Flowers came out, and then I um, I, I may have. Um, may have um, lied about my physical conditions in order to get inside uh, uh, DGA to be at the screening and then <laughs> see Jarmusch again. And he said, oh, hey, I remember you. You're from Siberia, right? And so we had another short conversation. Nice guy. Um, but what I was saying is that uh, the William Blake connection, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, there's no denial that like this film is pushing the boundaries of like how much is it really going to connect with you physically, like on almost like the body experience. Um, and it's you know it's Gaspar Noe like he's not a subtle fucking guy like he's not a like if you watch Enter the Void and by the way like I'm gonna bring this up but I also realized I saw his NC-17 rated movie Love starring Carl Glossman um, which I'm a big fan of the actor and god his penis was all over that like talk about like penises being everywhere like this you know NC-17 it's penis town that movie um but yeah, love was interesting too. So I actually see more Gaspar Noe movies than I You're thought. A big fan, for somebody who doesn't like Gaspar Noe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like I, I don't like him, but I watch him. Right, it's one of those weird things. This is all this. Um, I'm just you know pouring it out at you. So to, to to let you know that I didn't like the film, but I have it's almost like pulling on a lot of strings though. Huh. That is that is like how I connect with movies as a cinephile, you know. And uh, and it's if it does have maybe this gut response, it's it's a sign of you know respect and uh, you know um, being able to understand maybe what he's going for, even though it's not working for me or like I'm pushing it back. Right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I totally. I, so Dead Man, I need to revisit because I want to see that William Blake connection more. Um, but I, I mean, I think that this movie is so much about cinema that it makes sense that it would reach out to those things. But I also feel like we're getting into the territory we did last episode of you respect it, but you didn't enjoy watching yeah. it. But it's like, um, it's different because last time it was like respecting the, um, mood and this more time it feels like more about technique and like Absolutely. the ability to, there's a, there's a, an essay I read once a long time ago by a feminist film critic, and I forget her name, I'm gonna quote her idea anyway, um, but it was that horror, melodrama, and um, comedy, or horror, melodrama, comedy, and pornography are all the same genre, because they are all trying to elicit a physical response, whether it's a shriek, a, an orgasm, a laugh, or a, a tear. They're all trying to get something out of you physically. Um, cool. And I, I think that's, yeah, part of what's, going on here except this movie is trying to like, uh put you in a fugue state you know which is mm -hmm. yeah it, it's a it's a movie that like i would want to make but it takes so much courage to make a movie like this i feel and to even like put this script on page and then have someone read it and not expect all the usual notes you do you know think he I mean? wrote the script um, I don't know. I it it seems in many ways maybe not. Like I could I could see, and maybe that's just a testament to some of the acting and whatnot. But who knows? But I think even even then, you're trying to pitch this idea to somebody, and 
you know, what notes are they going to give? This isn't the type of script you can write and uh, send to a contest uh, or even just blind send to a producer or put on blacklist, you right. know? And to me, though, that's always a really scary notion that you can't fall back on, you know, like the defenses of, well, look at the wonderful three act structure and look at the characterization and, and all these things. It's something that's so much deeper than that and is pure cinema in that way. There's, there's not, no, none of those fallbacks. And for that, it's, that's what entices me so much about it is there's a yearning to make a movie like this and not really knowing how to do that because there is no blueprint and there is nobody saying, yes, that is correct. You know, and you're also going to get half the people at least saying, no, this sucks. This is bullshit. And you <laughs> have to I know think, that. Sorry. But it's like making a at movie like this, you have to know that. Like, that's just the deal when you make a movie like this. You're not making Avatar where it's like, oh, well, most people are going to like this or at least be like, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, this is Better divisive. Be. It took a while to make. 13 <laughs> years in the making. And again... I've teased it before. I got my Avatar Way of Water story I'll share someday. 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 When Same we have time. a guest talk about it. Shut up, I love Avatar. <laughs> the way Not to uh, extend this metaphor too much, but your idea of, like, you couldn't do that. Like, you're not falling back on traditional, the things that are traditionally considered good about script writing or filmmaking, like the, the structure or whatnot. It, it's the William Blake idea, because, like, when I when I made that reference, I'm thinking about the marriage of heaven and hell, which is this William Blake poem that is like, in in broad terms, it's a pushback against the Catholic Church, and it's and it's saying um, the freedom to do anything you want is what we call hell, but that's actually the good place to be, and heaven is a place of rules and restrictions, so that's actually hell. And it's supposed to be this inversion of like that which we value might actually be close. That which we call sinful might be closer to God. And that which we call pious might be closer to control and evil. Um, and so it's this same idea, the William Blaking of the studio system. It's like, uh, yeah, that three act structure might be what we all worship, but it's restrictive. And so here's the free, here's the free wheeling. Like we're just burning in hell together, but we're doing something interesting. Yeah, and true, true to ourselves, and and yeah. saying something uh, in a visceral way. Well, exactly. Should we get to the ratings? Absolutely. Probably. Let me explain how the ratings work. Please. <laughs> Each of us is going to create a ten-point scale, or well, eleven-point scale from zero to ten, and rate um, Luxeterna against something else that they either appreciate or not. I, that yeah, was a, I think that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, good. The, when I'm on my game, the way I explain it, I think it rocks, but I've kind of dropped the ball uh, in our yeah, last it's okay. it is, two This episodes. is short as sweet, and then if it doesn't make sense, uh, I'll well, go first. You'll go first, yeah. I'm going to give this 20 cheeseburgers out of a Jim Jarmusch. Now, I, that is a callback to last episode, which you have you to check out. To but I am going to uh, rate this against a movie about filmmaking that I absolutely love from this year. Jordan Peele's Nope. Absolutely love fantastic it. movie. And I remember, just a little to, to lengthen this out even more, to fluff it, 
I watched that movie, loved it in theaters, and you know there's always a fear that you are just caught up in the movie and the theatrical experience, and then like, oh, was that movie really that good? Then you watch it again, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was all right, but I think I just like loved it in that moment. Totally. Then you get the Blu-ray. So with this movie, I got the Blu-ray. I'm like, I'm going to watch it. And within five minutes, it's like, no, this is, this is amazing. Like, frame to frame, this is amazing. That's how I feel about, uh, about Nope. And it's always so exciting and refreshing when you get that. Because you're like, I could put this, this is one of those movies I'm going to be able to put on any time and watch. That's a 10 out of 10 movie. Uh, Lux Eterna. You know what? I really enjoyed almost every second of watching this movie. I love movies of uh, two people just chatting about interesting topics. So the first part of the movie I really loved. I was like, oh, if this is the rest of the movie, this is cool. But then it gets even more interesting seeing all the set dynamics than when it gets weird. So can I watch it as readily as I can watch a nope? Can I share it as much as I can watch a nope? The answer is nope. But still loved it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It's It's a movie I'll probably watch again because I think there's just a lot of meat there and more to dissect. And it's short enough to watch again. Yeah, true. You could watch it in the time of Nope. You could watch this movie twice. Yeah, it takes as long as to watch a procedural or something, episode of procedural. Yeah, yeah. that great show, Procedural. Adam, oh, what yeah. is your rating before we get oh. to Sash? Well, first of all, I just want to say uh, Nope, I think, is Peel's best movie, and I love it. Uh, we can talk mm-hmm. about that another time, but I'm with you. Uh, but I'll say, I would say, um, so... If I were to give a recalled episode of Pokemon that was taken off the air for for being causing seizures in children, I would give that a <laughs> five out of ten, and I would give this an eight out of ten on that scale. Two eights, sixteen. Yeah. It dri- got its driver's license. Oh. <laughs> Um, I will rate this film against another movie in the film history, since we're talking about him, film history, that sort of broke maybe three-act structure, well, definitely broke the expected, you know, storytelling uh, structure, um, which was Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon, a 1950 film based on the book, wonderful book by uh, Rinosuke Akutagawa. Um, based on the, bu- the book Push by Sapphire? <laughs> There you go. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, like uh, Rashomon is definitely like a movie that just keeps, like it's, you know, you, you know, I didn't go to film school, but in some way I got a film school education through, you know, taking a bunch of film classes and all that stuff, film courses in my TV, uh, you know, bachelor, master's, whatever. I have master's, just so you know. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but like I took a lot of film courses. And so... And so I, Rashomon is one of those films that I just keep going to, like in my mind, like like as a as a wow, like that was a groundbreaking. Like I, I kind of for Jay, it's Citizen Kane. Like every time, like he'll be like, well, it's not a Citizen Kane. Like to me, it's like, well, it's not a Rashomon or whatever. Like to me, it's one of those films that just stayed with me, uh, survived the oh, it's just film school, you know, right. uh, distance that some film never survived. So Rashomon, I would give uh, a 10. It's it's a, you know, fucking, like, badass, you know, classic Kurosawa, early Kurosawa, and just 
just so messed up and wonderful. And uh, as good as the push by Sapphire, you know, <laughs> that t since we mentioned. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I will give Loxiturna, I'm also going to throw love on the scale just so we know where else Gaspar Noe lives. I'll give love like a six because I feel like it's like was risque and interesting for me to watch, even though I was like, I don't know why. Um, but I have to say, I found this film very pretentious and, um, and also pretentious in the way, like, I, I mean, there's definitely artistry in the, in the making of this film, you know, and, and, and I enjoyed watching the uh, two actresses who are, you know, just being themselves and they're fucking like masters of their craft, be on the screen and just shooting shit. I found it quite interesting. Um, I did not, you know, I, and like that's about how far I, I went into like buying into the whole, uh, you know, oh, well, he's breaking three act structure. Like, don't know. Like, I, I, you know, went past me, went past me, all of this. So uh, I would give it a four. I would give this 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 masterpiece that he shot in five days for the Cannes Festival uh, because he's a big shot and they love him there. So they, you know, he it's not like he had to impress anybody. I'll give it a I'll give it a four. <laughs> wow, I'll not quite drinking age. We love it, but yeah. not quite drinking age. <laughs> <laughs> almost, well, almost. But it got its own apartment. We got its own apartment. Well, or it had like I lived in New York for had lived in New York for one year already at that yeah, age. I was already drinking since I was twelve. Um, that's 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 me. That's me, and I'm very excited. What a Thank great you for gift. This gift. Thank you for the gift. <laughs> what a Thank wonderful conversation. Gift. I love yes. how. Uh, yeah, great, great. How how excited we are. Let it Adam, burn. what's going on with you? What's what's your latest? Um, okay, so I will say um, y'all can follow me on the TikTok. That's where I'm. Dropping new music and stuff at Pro Texture Party. Um, I'm really, really excited because we're just actually not. It'll be done by the time this episode comes out. But two days from what time it is now, I'm Happy uploading. New Year. Happy New Year! Uh, in two days, we're uploading the entire nine-track LP, and it's my first Woof. album in seven years. And Fuck I think it's yeah. the best thing I've ever done. I'm really excited about it. Oh my Hell god! Yeah. Very excited That's about amazing. that. It's very noisy. Very noisy record. Yeah. <laughs> Are there flashing lights? Uh, no, uh, I would say sonically there are though. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, sonically yeah. I'll take flashing yeah. lights any day. Yeah, I love go. that. I love that. Yeah. Um, very synth and tech and like all that other interested person. Yeah, That's it's me. a maximalist record. I'm excited. Yeah, maximalist. Joe, what's going on with you? Oh, you could check out in January coming out soon. As this is us. You listen this is to this. January. Yeah. It's the graphic novel Bottoms Up Hard Liquor. Previously, mm. the first three issues have been out, but now the full graphic novel, 150 full pages full of comic. It is about a killer bottle of booze. Killer. Uh, it's a great hangout style, uh, uh, I dare I say Hitchcockian mm. schlockfest. You've never oh, seen yeah. a Hitchcockian schlockfest, but today you have. That's great. I love that. Um, go check it out. I'm really excited to finally release the full thing. So you'll be able to find that on Etsy and Amazon. So if you like this, to support the small guys, but you also like to support the Bezos, that's where you want to go. That's you. It's right there. That's, yeah. that's uh, it. January 20th. And on January 21st is when my new class starts, which probably is sold out, sold out by the time you're listening to this episode. But there's another class coming up just like that starting in March. Check out scriptanatomy.com. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this amazing track. Happy New Year, everybody. Have a wonderful 2023. Let's yeah. make it a good one. And let's see you next week for our final 
series in the White Elephant. Shut up, I love White Elephant. What will it be? Thank you for listening.